Hello and welcome to Health Styles House Calls. I'm Lori Banks. Today's show is for anyone who's ever had foot problems, from an ingrown toenail to something requiring surgery. In today's episode, we've got a podiatrist who will answer questions like, do your feet really grow as we age? What should you look for when buying shoes? And how can you treat dry, cracked heels? Kimberly Eichmeyer from Sarah Bush Lincoln Podiatry treats a range of minor and major foot and ankle problems. She'll be sharing her knowledge and expertise regarding all kinds of issues related to our feet. We'll be right back after this. Offering services in Mattoon, Effingham, and Vandalia, the audiology team at Sarah Bush Lincoln provides a complete range of diagnostic and rehabilitation services to patients of all ages including testing, hearing aid services, and hearing conservation programs. Our audiologists work with and provide referral services to ENT specialists and speech-language pathologists. Don't miss out on the best things in life. Contact Sarah Bush Lincoln Audiology and let us make a difference. 217-258-2568 or online at sarahbush.org audiology. Welcome everyone to the podcast. We're glad you've taken the time to listen. With me today is podiatrist Kimberly Eichmeyer. Let's start by asking, what's a podiatrist and what is the scope of your practice? Well, a podiatrist is someone who's gone to college, graduated and had a three-year residency. And uh, during those three years, we basically go through all the rotations like internal medicine, anesthesia, infectious disease, etc. And then we start to focus on below the knee, everything from the knee below. What are the most common issues you see in your office? Um, athletic injuries like uh, ankle sprains, foot sprains, uh, heel pain is a big one, um, plantar fasciitis, especially with the pandemic, people were at home and not wearing shoes. We found and we had a greater incidence of plantar fasciitis and patients are still coming and they just can't get rid of it. Um, ingrown toenails, warts, bunions, hammer toes, fractures. Yeah, ankle fractures, any fracture of the foot. You mentioned that you're seeing more plantar fasciitis. Can you explain what that is and what causes it? So the plantar fascia, plantar is the bottom of the foot, like a plantar wart, plantar is the bottom of the foot. So there's a structure, a material that runs from the heel to the ball of the foot that looks and feels like the bow on a violin. So it, imagine a bow on a violin, it doesn't have any elastic material in it. So if you have a flat foot, what happens is it uh, starts to, um, as your foot rolls in because the arch is collapsing, it literally pulls on that plantar fascia. That plantar fascia cannot stretch. So it rips off the heel and calcifies and well, bleeds and calcifies and forms a heel spur is the thought theory. Um, so that's why when you first get out of bed in the morning, one of the signs is when you first get out of bed in the morning, everything's tightened up because your toes are pointed downward. No matter what, um, how you're laying in bed, your toes are pointed downward, pointed downward. So the fascia is tightened up, the Achilles tendon is tightened up. You step down in the morning and it starts to rip off the bone. And most people say that's when their worst time of pain is or after coming home from work and sitting down, finally getting to sit down on the couch and maybe watch TV a little bit, 
and then you stand up and, oh gosh, that, that hurts. What kind of treatment options do you prescribe? Well, if you can, uh, if we can get to it during the acute phase, which within the first three months of having pain, after that, it's more of a chronic problem in the tissue, that plantar fascia actually thickens and changes and it becomes, it doesn't have as good of a blood supply and it's a little bit harder to get rid of it. But what you can do on your own is stretching. That's real important. Um, kind of like a runner stretch. If you stretch the Achilles tendon, there's devices you can find on the internet. Amazon has tons of stuff. Um, icing at the end of your day for about 20 minutes. Don't go barefoot. Put on uh, something that has an arch support in it to wear around the house. My, I myself, I've had this before, my right foot. Um, it um, occurred after my second child and my arches fell, basically. And so if I know I'm gonna be uh, cleaning and I'm gonna be on the tile surface of the, the wood surface, then I, I wear a shoe called OOFS, O-O-F-O-S, which is, um, they're real cushiony, they're thick with an arch support, and I also wear them in, in surgery because they're, um, they're very comfortable. And they're, they come in sandals and uh, clog types. Another common problem is ingrown toenails. What can we do to prevent them from happening in the first place? Okay, so what you wanna do is you wanna make sure when you trim your nails, you cut them straight across and then file the corners. Don't cut the corners, use a file. Um, if you do get an ingrown toenail, what I do is rec what I recommend is to soak in Epsom salts and warm water uh, for about 20 minutes a day, and then put antibiotic ointment and a Band-Aid on it. If it continues, don't let it go too far. Um, give us a call, and and we typically put you on antibiotics, and we take out the ingrown toenail. Staying with toenails, let's get down to toenail fungus. What can we do to prevent and treat it? This is really common, <laughs> more, I mean, uh, more common than what you believe or what you, you would think. But one theory is that anybody that's ever been on an antibiotic should take probiotics and they should take the ones that are cold and shipped cold. Because the theory is, is that if you, re with antibiotics, you may deplete the good bacteria from your gut and that may make you more prone for fungal infections like this. Hmm. So, there's a lot of debate. Is it an external infection fungus or is it also an internal? Is the fungus in your system? We don't know. Um, some, some are debating that. So what you can do on your own though is uh, vinegar is an antifungal. You can once again soak in white vinegar and warm water. Also you can take cotton balls with white, white vinegar, not apple cider vinegar. It'll change your nail, discolor your nail, and I've had patients come in with that soaked in Listerine, their nails are green. Don't do that. Um, and Vicks Favor Rub, and don't do those things if you're diabetic. They can actually cause a burn um, and that you may not, diabetic patients may not feel if they have numbness. Um, but you can actually put the white vinegar on a cotton ball and put it on the toenail. And anything, any, anything that's over the counter, I've never, ever seen it working except for there's a, a new one and I, I'm trying it out and I think it might be working. The other one is there are a couple prescription topical medications. Um, sometimes they work and there's a pill which we, we kind of um, 
that we have to draw blood work to check the liver enzymes with that. What about athlete's foot, which I understand is also a fungus? Keeping your feet dry and clean, obviously. Dry, how can we keep our feet dry? Spraying our feet with underarm antiperspirant, um, using wicking socks. The runners first started wearing these so that their feet, when they perspire, by the way, we have 250,000 sweat glands on our the bottom of each foot, and we perspire a half a pint of, of uh, sweat per day from our feet. Um, don't wear a pair of shoes two days in a row because it takes more than 24 hours for a shoe to dry out. And also, it prolongs the life of the shoe because if it doesn't dry out thoroughly, the glues and the structural material can break apart. And you'll see runners that have the same exact shoe, but they wear this on an even day and this one on an odd day, and it prolongs the life of the shoe. Um, once again, the vi white vinegar and the soaking technique, there are a couple of over-the-counter antifungal medications, and the trick is, for athlete's foot, most people stop using it after a week or two, and it takes four weeks for the skin on the bottom of the foot to shed. So you have to use it for either once or twice a day for four weeks. Wearing shoes with plenty of fit in the toe box is really important. So those pointy toe heels that we all love are probably not the best for our feet. In fact, that's what I'm wearing right now. Let's talk more about shoes. As a podiatrist, what do you look for when buying like the casual or more athletic type of shoes? Okay, so I'll start with the good one. And there's the one, two, three test is what I tell patients. So the first test is, this is called the heel counter. This is a cushion for the Achilles tendon. But the heel counter, you should not be able to take your finger and push it down towards the insole. And what you're referring to on the shoe here is the back part that goes up against the back of the heel and the foot. So that's one. Number two, take the shoe upside down and bend, and it should bend where the toes bend. And number three, the twist test. Twist it. Can I twist it like a rag? No. So give your shoes the push, bend, and twist test. If you can almost wring them out, they are probably not the best choice. In addition to buying the right shoes, what other things can we do to promote healthy feet? Sure, um, always wear shoes that are appropriate for your activity. If you are a runner, you wanna wear runner's shoes. If you run on trails, there's trail running shoes. There's all kinds of different athletic shoes. Um, obviously, soccer shoes for soccer, but um, you don't wanna wear basketball shoes if you're gonna be uh, running obviously. And there's also shoes for walking. Um, also, if you're, this is a big one, um, if you're outside cutting the lawn, you need to wear shoes. Don't wear flip-flops. Don't go barefoot. And you need to, you should have your toes covered. I've seen a lot of accidents, persons pulling the lawn mower back and causing an injury. Um, and if you're diabetic, it's real important to wear shoes even in the house, because if you have diabetes, you can get what's called peripheral neuropathy. Peripheral means the outside as compared to the central inside. Neuropathy means numbness. The nerves start to slowly become numb and die in the hands and the feet. And you could step on something, even in the house, that you may not feel. I've had 
patients come in with thumbtacks in their foot, incense sticks, of, you know, needles, just a wide variety of things they didn't feel. And then they all of a sudden have, they, they can look down and they can see that there's something, some drainage on the floor, like blood or infection. And that, that can be a, a bad thing. Let's talk more about diabetics and foot care. How often should they be checking their feet and how often should they see their provider? Actually, the, um, our government has put up a guidelines. It's called Save a Limb, Save a Life. And they are stating that uh, every three months, a diabetic should have their feet checked if they have peripheral neuropathy, bad circulation. Otherwise, every six months is, um, is common. What I do is I have a, a tell patients once a day, at least once a day, you're gonna check your feet. Do you have any signs of ingrown toenails, any swelling, any redness? Um, if you can't see the bottom of your foot, a lot of us can't, put a mirror on the ground and put your foot over it and, and take a look at it or have a family member do that. Um, always, when you always go to a good store, be fitted for a shoe, our foot changes in size as, as we get older because a lot of our, as we get older, our foot, um, our arch collapses. Your foot isn't growing, the arch is falling and it makes your foot longer. So you need a bigger shoe, bigger size shoe. So a lot of women come in and say, oh, my foot grew when I was pregnant. No, it didn't grow, the arch fell. And then when it falls, you can also, it also spreads and you can get bunions and hammer toes. So I also tell my diabetic patients, um, I've had them come in with a tissue paper and with wounds on their toes because they didn't feel the tissue paper in the shoe and they'd worn it for several days. So you should always um, take a look or put your hand in there and see if you feel anything before you start wearing a new shoe. And then every day, what you do is you take a look in your shoe and kind of go like that before you put it on to make sure there's no rocks or anything in the shoe. You mentioned falling or flattening arches. What are your thoughts on over-the-counter insoles for that? There are uh, a couple of good off-the-shelf ones. A lot of them at the drugstores um, are kind of a waste of your money, but there's um, Amazon has several. One of the, the brand names I like to go with is, is Power Steps. A lot of athletes wear these. Um, that's one type. Um, and sometimes, though, even if we try start with those, some people need the custom-made orthotic devices where a mold is made of your foot and sent away with a prescription for something that fits you, and then it's uh, mailed back. Calluses, something pretty common for a lot of people. Explain what causes a callus. Usually calluses form where there's an area of pressure underneath a bone. Sometimes as we get older, uh, or for some reasons we don't know why, some of these bones will drop and you can get a distinct callus right here. That's a point where some diabetic patients can get an open wound and that's not good. So we need to make sure that we, you wear correct shoes without pressure. You can wear insoles that help to prevent it. Um, there's all kinds of silicone insoles. Um, basically, I like to use an insole with an arch support with a, what's called a metatarsal pad built into it. 
a metatarsal pad is a teardrop shaped pad that goes on the metatarsals behind the metatarsal heads. And if one of these bones has dropped and you have a callus in the ball of your foot, you put it, it's built into the insole, you, that's the best type, it pushes those up, up and it realigns those in, so you have correct pressure. You should be, the first metatarsal should be receiving 25% of your body weight with, with one foot on the ground. And it should be what's called a parabola, where this one's a little bit longer, and then these start to share some of the body weight. Dry, cracked heels. Now when sandal season starts, that's when many of us are taking some kind of action to get our heels back in shape. But for some people, cracked heels can present a real health problem. Is that right? If you're diabetic and you have this, that, that can be a problem because those cracks can lead to an infection. So, and diabetic patients just do not produce the oils like they used to. So be aware of that. So if you have a, a, a callus in the heel, don't wear backless shoes, or at least keep it to a minimum. The callus in the heel, it can be treated a couple of different ways, soaking your feet in a gallon of warm water to a cup of white vinegar. I know it sounds like your feet will be smelly, but it does wear rinse off. Mm -hmm. And then taking a puma stone or a towel and just kind of rubbing it lightly and then putting on, there's heel balms, there's all kinds of different lotions, and then putting on your socks um, for the, so it can be absorbed. Or there's, there's socks with um, silicone in the heel with have, that have olive oil, aloe vera in it. You can use those. If you get a crack that hurts or is bleeding, you can use a lick of what's called a liquid bandage um, to kind of seal it. Um, some people have used super glue, but um, I don't know if I recommend that. You can get honey. Uh, honey is uh, antibacterial. Um, we use it in wound healing for uh, wounds or burns. Um, and calluses can be a result of a vitamin deficiency, like vitamin C, a thyroid problem, like a low thyroid, hypothyroidism, um, diabetes, um, or um, if you don't in, ingest enough essential fatty acids, our body does not make essential fatty acids. We have to eat foods like walnuts, um, flax seeds, eggs, fish, um, and my husband's favorite, Brussels sprouts, mm -hmm. have them, believe it or not, um, and drink plenty of water. If you're dehydrated, you're, you're gonna be more prone to getting a callus on your heel. What about warts on the feet? What can we do to get rid of them? Well, a plantar wart, once again, plantar is the bottom of the foot, plantar surface, dorsal surface is how we, what we call it. A wart is created by a virus, you can't see it. Um, you can only see it with an electron microscope. So no matter how you take care of it, fancy lasers, um, cutting it out, you can miss it if you cut it out. We don't like to cut them out. You can burn them off, you can apply chemicals. The reason we don't like to cut them out is because if you have something circle, whatever the diameter is, you have to make an incision three times that length. So when you close it, it becomes a line. Mm -hmm. And the, remember the bottom of the foot, the skin takes four weeks to heal. 
So you can always try over-the-counter, the medicated pads. Don't use these if they're diabetic. You will see on the package, do not use if you're diabetic. They're acids. Um, and if uh, keeping them thinned down with an emery board and then throwing it away, those cheap ones, you can buy a bunch at Walmart and because it has the virus in it. And if you, if you can't get rid of it, we can try freezing them on the bottom of the foot the skin's so thick, that doesn't work all the time. So I have, I call a pharmacy that makes this compounds it by hand. It comes from the Japanese black bee or the Japanese beetle. And <laughs> what it does is it's much stronger than the acid pads and it creates a blister. It's the Japanese blistering beetle and it creates a blister underneath the wart and then the wart pops off. Well, that's a pretty interesting way to get rid of a wart. Now, I'm guessing you can't use them for this next foot problem. Let's talk about bunions. I understand there's one called a Taylor bunion. Taylor bunion, we call it, or a bunionette, we call it that because we were told in school, I was told in school that tailors used to sit cross-legged on the ground and if they had a bump on the fifth toe, metatarsal, it would rub up against the ground and irritate it. So we still kind of use the term Taylor's bunion, but there's other terms like a bunionette. So what's your recommendation for bunion prevention? It's making sure you wear a wide toe box shoe that doesn't put pressure on here. You can also get, uh, there's a couple different shoe stretchers. There's one that you, uh, it goes in your shoe and it pushes both sides out. There's also something called a ball and ring and you can find this on the internet too now. And this is what cobblers have used for a long, over a hundred years. It's this big iron X-like cross and there's a, there's a round circle and a ball and you put the round circle on the outside of the shoe, the ball on the inside where you want it stretched and you, it, clamps into place and it locks into place. And you keep that like that overnight or may maybe sometimes two or three days. Could you talk about bunion surgery and what options are available? Yes, that, that is really um, foot dependent. So we take a weight bearing x-rays and we measure angles and dangles and um, take a look at to see if you have any cartilage before we decide upon what type of bunion surgery. Base, there's uh, at least over 50 bunion procedures and it's what works best for you and in your doctor's hands. So, you know, there's something called the Austin or the Chevron, Chevron like the gas station. Um, it's a V-shaped, it has one type, it's a V-shaped with a long arm. Nowadays we usually use screws, we don't use wires. Um, screws are usually about two millimeters by 14 with a length of 14 to 12, 12 to 14 millimeters. They're so small, they stay in, they don't set off any metal detectors. Um, they usually don't have, cause a problem. Uh, I went to Switzerland to do a fellowship in trauma and I got to meet some of the people that invented the screw fixation for fractures and then we developed it, we modified it for bone cuts. So that was awesome because the Swiss, that's who developed this because in Davos, they, I, they wanted to get their skiers back on the mountain. And um, so before that, 
we would use wires um, and then they'd come out in the office. So I kind of went through that stage in the residency where some guys were putting, some of my teachers were putting in wires, but um, it's, there's so, and there's something called biologics. You may have heard of biologics for treatment, medications for treatment of rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis. Well, podiatrists and orthopedists, when they describe biologics, we're talking about bone putty with growth factors in it to get bones to heal quicker or fuse quicker, um, amniotic fluid, amniotic membranes, um, just a wide variety of, of uh, stuff and equipment we can use nowadays. We've talked about several foot issues that are visible. I mean, you can see an ingrown toenail or a bunion, but there are issues like peripheral arterial disease, or PAD, that can present as pain in the calf or foot. Do you ever see patients come in the office with this type of problem? I had one patient who, oh my gosh, he was, he was bad off. He, he would just go home and sit and with his foot elevated to the point of being parallel to the ground, just that amount of gravity against his arteries caused him to have pain because he wasn't getting enough blood oxygen to his feet. So what I do is I will send them for arterial Doppler, blood pressure on the arm, and then di three different levels on the leg compared to the arm, and you come up with a ratio. And then we can tell also by the waveforms they should, they're either monophasic, one peak, biphasic, two peaks, triphasic, three peaks. The triphasic is important because in diabetic patients, sometimes the arteries on the inside are hard. They're almost calcified and you can get a false good reading. So when we see a triphasic form, we know that that internal surface of the artery has not been affected by the by the diabetes. Patients uh, a lot of times will say, my feet are just cold. Um, you don't see any hair growing on the toes, on the top of the feet, on the legs. They are discolored, um, somewhat darkened and colored or wounds that aren't healing. So what I do is I don't, um, I diagnose it, I guess I should say. And then I will send you to someone to hook up the plumbing is what I say, to clean out the arteries, to uh, sometimes it used to be, you know, the big bypasses, but nowadays, like the guys here, it's very, it's, it's invasive, but minimally invasive. Dr. Eichmerit, thank you so much for talking to us today. I know the next time I buy shoes, I'm gonna use your one, two, three testing method. Now, if you would like more information on Dr. Eichmeyer, including her office location and phone number, just visit our website at sarahbush.org and look under Find a Doctor. You can search by name or specialty, in this case, podiatry. As always, speak to your own healthcare provider if you have questions or concerns. The information we talked about today in this podcast is really for informational purposes only and should never be used as a substitute for medical care. We hope you'll join us again. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast series so you'll be the first to know when new shows are added. For Sarah Bush Lincoln, I'm your host, Lori Banks. Thank you all so much for listening.